We did have an amazing interview. I have to tell you, she sent me the questions late last night that she wanted to pursue. I was so impressed. The questions are really great. They were very thoughtful questions. They pointed to someone who is a thinker and someone who is reaching for, you know, the spiritual ground you and I have talked about and worked on. She comes out from that ground, the, the, the ground of self-inquiry. This is the perfect way to start your day, start your business, start your life, change your mentality, understand where your powerfulness comes from. She can help you get there. She gives great advice. She has so much wisdom, so much that you can learn from her. I feel more powerful, in control, and more creative after listening to Sabrina's podcast. I wish I were creating this podcast. Welcome to the Success with Sabrina podcast, sponsored by Time Strategic Consulting Group. Hear from successful businessmen and businesswomen and how they became successful sharing tips and techniques with you to foster change and build success with ease and flow, helping you overcome your toughest trials and biggest challenges to finally go for it and make money and create the epic life that you deserve. To get more information about our consulting, public speaking, and business success membership club, go to www.timestrategic.com. Hey there, success with Sabrina listeners. You will be pleasantly surprised today with Bill Wallace. He is the <laughs> brain and the heart behind Success North Dallas. Bill believes access is the key to success, and I'm so excited to share his wealth of knowledge today. Bill is a powerhouse with a soft-spoken and straightforward, no BS kind of talk. Bill, when I heard you say, be the success in your own eyes, it was like music to my ears. I was like, we need to connect. Bill, thank you so much for being on the Success with Sabrina show today. Well, Sabrina, I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's fun. Uh, getting to share with uh, people around the world. And when you said, be a success in your own eyes, that's very fundamental because no one has the right to define what success is for you, only you. And so many people, as, as we've grown up in ways, success has always been what pleases somebody else. That's BS. Success is what is right for you. Success is how you define it. Yeah, and taking the time to figure that out too, right? Because it takes time for us to get clear about that. Um, now, you're the teacher of networking. I mean, you're the master of it. So how can we actually become better networkers in, in, the, in the nowadays? Let's, let's take a moment and talk about what networking really is. Networking is when two people meet each other, bam, 80% chance both cards are going to go in the trash can 95% chance one of them will go in the trash can. You have to do something in that first encounter to make yourself a little bit different, to set yourself apart from the herd in some way. And one of the ways is thinking about 118. And that's something that a friend of mine, Jeff Hazley, came up with. But 118 seconds is the average elevator ride in New York City, or at least it was before all this mix. And you have eight seconds to sell, tell somebody who you are and 110 seconds 
to learn everything you can about them while leaving some small little hook at the very end to bring them back in, such as, this is unbelievable. I'd like to know more about what you do. Might we get together for coffee? Or just simply, you got to tell me more. It's not about you. It's about them. And think about that early encounter. Is it not the passion which which you embrace your significant other that governs the passion which that embraces returned? Are you doing that with your clients, your friends? Are you doing that in networking? So, bam, two people meet each other. Unless you take an initiative, nothing happens. And if something does happen, it can carry it to the second level of networking. And that is simply this, networking. When people start weaving their networks together, and it has exponential value. Because you see, when you weave your network with me, you're now weaving with all the other networks I have woven with. Our email list is not a quarter of a million for Success North Dallas, but when we send out an email, it hits a quarter of a million because people forward it on just like I forward theirs on. So that's net weaving. And then the ultimate of networking is servant leadership. And servant leadership is when, when you meet somebody, Sabrina, when I met you, the first thing that was going through my mind is who I might introduce you to that would better you and you perhaps could better them, not what you could do for me. Because you see, Success, success North Dallas has a premise behind it, and that is everything comes around. So everything we give out eventually, and it may be a generation or two down the road, will come back to us. And it's called paying it forward. And if you want a network, you better understand the concept of paying it forward or you'll never successfully network. Absolutely. Now, I've heard you say that you don't hand out cards. When we first met, you asked me about the V card, though. Is that the substitution for the cards you normally use? No, a V card is when you and I are on the phone or on the computer or whatever. We're at a distance. We're not together. And my way of asking for your contact information is, would you send me your virtual card? I've now asked you for a card. You didn't send it to me before I asked. I have not given away a card in 15 years, even if you've been asked me for that card, that I have not asked permission to give it to you. Because that sets it apart just a bit. And when you ask me for my card, I'll give you my card like this, two-handed. And I present it. That causes you to look down and take notice because I'm looking down at the card. This is the Asian way of doing it. And also very big in Europe. And then a card has to tell a story. Some people will ask, why does my card have one rounded corner? And I'd say, so you'd ask. Very simple. But then when I hand it, I will say, and there's a logo right here. That's the successful Dallas logo. It has interconnecting C's. When I hand it to somebody, I just simply say, success is what it's all about. The interconnecting C's, that's how we do it. And on the back, it says connecting the right people for the right reasons at the right time. Do you think that card is not kept? Of course it's kept. You definitely made an impression. And when you went about it, like it's, it's definitely going to be memorable for the people. 
right? How you went about it for sure. And that's really what it's about. It's about creating an impression that lasts, right? In the midst of meeting so many people uh, in a networking event or in any type of situation that we're in, how can we make, how can we stand out? How can we be different, right? So what would you say for the, the ones that are searching for their own way, how do they go about finding their own way? Because like we're defining success, even the way Bill does, it might not work for you, right? Um, but how do we go about it, defining our own way of networking and sharing our information? I, I guess what I'm trying to get to, Bill, is my biggest takeaway from this moment right now is don't rush the relationship. Give it time. I mean, if if you just, just serve and you're not so concerned about handing the card and you're really serving, then they're going to remember you. Next next time they need something, they're going to be like, you know what? That guy really served me. He he was interested in me. He really was looking out for what I needed. Uh, and so then I'm going to remember you. Well, connecting the right people for the right reasons at the right time is, is a simple element of servant leadership. It's serving another person. It's looking how that you could benefit them or put them in a relationship that benefits them. I've often, often said, I have the greatest job in the world. I get to put two people together, take a step back, and watch the magic happen. And sometimes I actually get paid to do it. But I will always be paid. It may not be by that person. It will be a relationship that comes on down the road. A very interesting situation uh, that had come up was uh, a number of years ago, I met a gentleman by the name of Jeff Hazel. He was the marketing, he was the CMO at Kodak. He's how I met Trump. He's how I connected with a lot of people. And he flew down to Dallas to speak for me, gave everybody a book in the room. Uh, and it, and it, was, it was very, very memorable from the standpoint of the relationship that we, we forged. And then several years later, he called me up and he said, I have an idea. And he said, I want to try this. It's called C-Suite. And C-Suite was a dream back then in 2014, February 2014. And he said, can you get a couple of hundred people together and I'll bring a hundred from out of town or more. And so we started C-Suite. And C-Suite is not mine, it is Jeff's. And C-Suite now has over 300,000 members. It's all over the world. It has C-Suite radio, TV, podcast. And just the fact of being involved in that the beginning changed the paradigm of my networking. Because what we did is we took a centralized network here in Dallas, in North Texas and Texas, and we turned it into a worldwide network by being of service in many different areas, whether it was podcasting, C-suite books, C-suite radio, C-suite TV, whatever that may be. And it's a very interesting story when you think back to how I started Successful North Dallas. I started it to separate myself from the herd, not to be one of the people that walks in with a deck of cards at a meeting and starts handing them out you know you're going to get dealt card number one or card number 52. But what I know is that card's going in the trash can. I don't want to be dealt cards. I want somebody to give a hoot, to give a damn, and to care enough to establish. If you're dealing cards, go back home. You're not wanted. If your relationship, and cards, we say card pushers are not welcome at Success North Dallas. Well, cards do change hands, but those are relationship cards. Those are not dealt cards. Those are cards that are asked for. Those are cards that are followed up on. 
1988, I had two mentors, Herb Kelleher, Southwest Airlines, and Roger Meyer, the largest Cadillac dealer in the Southwest. In March of 1988, Herb, in his infinite wisdom, said, Wallace, when you figure out why I should do business with you, come back. Now get out and figure it out. <laughs> he called me the next day, but that's a mentor. That's what a mentor is supposed to do. Yeah. Hold you accountable or make you accountable to hold yourself accountable. Thus, Success North Dallas was born out of me going to every networking group I could find in the North Texas area and asking them, what do you not like about networking? What's wrong? What causes you ill? What turns you off? What causes you not to go? So I went back to Herb and Roger in, uh, in October of 1988. And I said, I'm going to start a high-level networking group. I'm going to do that thing that you said, separate myself from the herd. Because when you think about a herd, what is a herd? Well, I'm in Texas. And so this take with me, this oval. This oval is a herd. Inside of that herd are the cows. It's a cow herd. Come on. But outside of that herd, there's the trail boss up front. There's the two outriders that hold the herd together. And then there's the drag at the back that picks up the steers. Now, just shut your eyes for a moment and visualize all of those cows are now your competition. They're people. Or they're people that you might want to get a date. They're the, whatever they may be in your eyes. So why should I ever go into the herd to pick somebody when there's four who've already separated themselves from the herd? Why would I ever go in? So the issue is, what are you doing to separate yourself from the herd? And this is what Success North Dallas was designed to be. It was designed to be an informal board of directors, a mentor group, a relational group, a referral group, but at a very, very high level. And what I did, what I found out when I was looking at all of the things, all these networking groups, the number one thing people did not like were card pushers. Number two, pitch bookers. People that walked around with their book ready to sell. Selling of wares in the room. Selling of wares from the lectern. As one of my friends said, oh, no coins change hands in the temple. And I thought, wow, yeah, that's true. It's a safe space and pain of speakers because back then they thought they owned the podium, the gallery or the room, the lectern. And finally, charging of guests. And we had to change that years later. But And the final one, the ultimate one, was women. In 1988, women were not welcome in networking. Now, ladies, before you get mad at me. <laughs> I'm going to think here. Yeah, I know. Women were not welcome in networking. And so I went back to Herb and Roger and I found this cute word, sadhana, S-A-D-N-A. It's a Buddhist word that means a taboo against what makes one feel uncomfortable. And I said, I'm going to put a sadhana against all these things. I went through the list, the card pushers, the pitchbookers, and got all the way down to women. And Herb said, yep. And I said, no, except women. And he said, Wallace, you're going to have a problem. And I said, no, sir, Mr. Keller, I'm going to have a big problem. You said create transformational change through disruption. We're going to be a minimum of 30% women from day one. He stood up, he put his hand on his hip, and he said, shoot, Wallace. Well, that's not really what he said, but Wallace, I gave him women in networking, 
I can you give them, I, sorry, I gave them hot pants and booze because when Southwest Airlines started, the stewardesses were in hot pants. They gave away free alcohol and peanuts. He said, so I gave them hot pants and booze. You give them limited network. I did not realize how huge and impactful that statement was until 25 years later when we did our only launch we've ever done. And Ross Perot welcomed, senior. Boone Pickens hosted. We had the CEOs of Fleur, USAA, 7-Eleven, and Brain Freeze, BNSF, all on the same dais. We honored Nancy Lieberman. And Ambridge Hotels paid for this whole thing. 440 people. One of my proudest moments. I understood then what hurt really meant. I looked out at the room, and it was 50% women. So ladies, you're why Success North Dallas is here going into our fourth decade. You're the backbone of why our membership started 97, 97 companies, created over a thousand jobs and seven Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year. So I thank you. Yes, you were the disruptors. Yes, you created transformational change. So what are you all out there using to be disruptive? How are you being disruptive? How are you using this to create transformational change? Because it will. And the listeners out there, you know, they can really take what you're talking about and apply it to their own industry and game by thinking, what are the problems? What are the complaints in my industry? Right. And how can I address them and do things in a different way? And that can apply to pretty much everything. Right. Now, Bill, what was your biggest challenge in business? Oh, just what it says on the back of my card, but I'll change it to finding the right people for the right reasons at the right time. So that's what I started doing. By solving my problem, I helped to solve other people's problems. Because you see, the qualifications for membership in Success North Dallas will be a success in your own eyes. I have no right to define what success is for you. Honor your commitments. Let's go back to the handshake and be a giver. It's all about our fellow men and women. And when you approach from that way, how can somebody else not approach you from that same way? And if they don't, you know right away, those are people you don't want in your network. Those are people you don't want to be around. Yeah, and finding those mentors, right? But, I, you know, I have to say that I've always heard this. Ever since I started in business, right, you got to find a mentor, right? And um, And I remember, you know, just trying to find mentors and sometimes approaching people. But what I, and I have had so many wonderful mentors in my life. But what I realized, too, is that sometimes people perhaps don't want that title of a mentor, right? You don't have to even establish this relationship as a mentorship. But if you just build the relationship and you keep creating this relationship together, people are going to mentor you, right? And so it's it's really like about really being able to create that relationship with these people and I, I like to even put it this way, like not put work on their table because all the mentors are busy, right? So you have to really be thoughtful about these relationships. I mean, as a youngster, I remember, you know, you talking about being so young and being mentored by these guys. I'm sure that, you know, that they that you were able to realize your space in that scenario. Well, I wasn't young. I was 38 when I started Successful with Dallas, but maybe that is young. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable, transparent, and you have to be willing to allow someone else to hold you accountable. And also, you have to be willing to ask. You know, I walked into Roger Meyer's office 
I'd never met him in my life. And I said to him, my aunt, Edna, who was a real estate agent, huge. She sold multi-million dollar homes back then. Uh, my aunt Edna says, you're the best salesman she's ever met in her life. And he said, your aunt is Edna McDaniel. And I said, yes, sir, it is. And I am looking for a mentor and I would like you to mentor me. And he looked at me and he started laughing. And he said, you're not even gonna buy a Cadillac, are you? And I said, no, sir, I'm not. And I spent the rest of that day with him and that started something special because I was vulnerable, I asked. The way I met Herb Kelleher was through, I was one of the founders, the 20 that founded the Ronald McDonald House here. And I was on the national board of charities and it was a beautiful thing. And Southwest Airlines had people coming in once a month to cook dinner. And I remember asking the people from Southwest, do you think we could get Mr. Kelleher to do a PSA, a public service announcement, because it was coming up to Christmas? And I said, well, I don't know, he's awfully busy, but let, let us just connect you. And I asked him, and he was so excited about it. He brought his own film crew. He spent a day at the house, and that started a relationship. One day, several years later, I was at Southwest Airlines, uh, and uh, I walked into I, his office. We were supposed to have coffee. And I said, you know, Roger Meyer's been mentoring me. He said, yeah, he's a great guy, but, you know, I people should have at least two mentors. He said, oh, I agree. I said, I'm really looking for another one. And he said, well, do you have any idea? And I said, yeah, you. He looked at me, he reared back in his chair and he said, how the hell do I say no to that? Because it was vulnerable, but it came out of a relationship with her. And it was vulnerability with no relationship, but a secondary network relationship, my aunt, that took me to Roger Meyer. Both are gone. We lost her last year. We lost Roger a number of years ago. But, uh, you know, it became a relationship such that I sat with the family at the funeral. It, these are the things that happen when you're vulnerable, when you're transparent. So I think that's the biggest way. Be vulnerable. Yeah. Open up to people. Yes. Now, changing gears a little bit. All right. I, on your bio, and I quote, Bill has a Rolodex that would put the U.S. government to shame. What does that mean? I read that and I was like, what is he talking about here? Well, your Gen Xers and others probably don't even know what a Rolodex is, but we laugh about it. The <laughs> Rolodex was something that had cards on it, like this, and it flipped, and it was alphabetical. So you'd go to your Rolodex, and you'd flip it to find Sabrina. Oh, there's Sabrina. You'd look at the number, you'd pick up the antiquated phone, put it to your ear, and you'd call. So what it really says, it has a, Bill has a Rolodex to put the federal government to shame meaning my contacts, the people that I have contact with. Yeah, tell us and, the story about the FBI agent, because that was really interesting, how, how that all came about. Uh, there were several stories about the FBI agent, but you know, the FBI it, uh, was very interesting. The talk that I gave and give is uh, making the community your eyes and ears, because I'm a speaker. I speak all over the world. Uh, but the talk, that particular talk, and our, the conversations we had was, we're, we're, we're it's like a, any police force, any government group, whether you're DEA, Homeland Security, FBI, you only have so many people. So the question is, how do you make that? You're the, you're the pebble right in the center of the pond. How do you keep that pond rippling outward? 
Well, in the FBI's case and several others, it's make, how do you make the community? How do you go into the community and make them your eyes and ears? Because every time you weave into my network, that weaving again, you weave into the networks of the people I'm with. I was honored to be asked to go to the FBI Citizens Academy in 2006. They take 50 people a year in major metropolitan markets. And that's where the idea of making the community your eyes and ears really came from. Because of what they were doing to bring the community in, then I look for ways to bring them out into the community. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful relationship for so, so, so many years. And a number of our success North Dallas people have now gone through the FBI Citizens Academy. And then Success North Dallas, we've been honored to present the Dallas Police Officer of the Year Award for the past 18 years. Wow. And that is truly a study in humility. So that's a long answer, but, a, but it's very important. How do you make that pond? You know, once you throw that rock in the pond, how do you keep those ripples going out? That's what real networking is. Yeah, and, it, and it's about making yourself accountable to each relationship that you built. So what is that about? Like making yourself accountable. What does that mean? What is the thinking behind that? How can we make ourselves accountable so that we can pro provoke that kind of ripple effect that you're talking about? Well, accountability is a, is, is a very interesting and deep topic and that can, that can be uh, dissected in, in so many ways. But you have to, when, when you talk about accountability, accountability starts at the first encounter. When I pull, I'm going to take you back, just take, take you on a little bit of a story. When I talk about be a success in your own eyes, honor your commitments, and be a giver, well, the accountability goes into the giver's side. And when I talk about accountability, I'll, I'll put it like this. You have a first encounter with somebody. And it's that first encounter that creates what that relationship and what that accountability is going to look like. So think about it this way. I'm pulling into a parking lot. I cut you off. I get up out of my car. I walk in, snot nose and arrogant. I don't even acknowledge you. And the next time you see me, I'm walking out on the stage to speak. What are you saying to the people sitting around you? Or are you just getting up to leave? It's from the first encounter. Relationships start. Accountability starts from the first encounter. And rest assured, you do not know when that's going to occur. Yeah. Live your life like that. Basically, like we think that we can be different in different areas of our lives, right? Like you can be doing great in business and then, you know, you'd be yelling at your kids and you think that that doesn't affect you know, your business life, but the energy that you bring about, you know, should always be the same and it should be of service and love. So I think that, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, a situation where, where you're in, in the parking lot and you might think, yeah, you know, that's nothing, right? Well, you know, even if you never meet that person again, you're carrying on that energy uh, around and people sense it. They do. It's, it's, it's like, what kind of a leader do you want to be? Yeah. Because right now, we're in a very unique position. And uh, today's obstacles are today's opportunities. While the others are waiting for tomorrow to come, the true leaders are leading and taking advantage of today and helping not only themselves, but all of those people around them. Mm -hmm. 
Now, you wrote a book. It's called Being a Catalyst for Success, the first yes. of a servant leader. What is your favorite part of the book? My favorite part of the book happens to be, and there's the book, on the back. It's my three life-isms mm-hmm. and, and a sub-note. But I live my life not by this, but I try to live it by it as best that I can. But uh, if it's not fun, the first one, and I worked on this with Herb Kelleher, the first one is, if it's not fun, don't do it. If you have to do it, find a way to make it fun first. You can. Number two, always a double win. If it ever ceases to be a double win, fix it or get out now, not tomorrow. Fix it or get out now, not tomorrow. So if it's not fun, don't do it. If you have to do it, find a way to make it fun first because you can. Number two, always a double win. If it ever ceases to be a double win, fix it or get out now, not tomorrow. And number three is, I am always doing great. The definition of great may vary greatly from day to day, but I'm always doing great. Now, what is the premise behind that? There's a whole lot of negative people out there. There's a whole lot of Jimmy Downers out there. And their role in life is to drag you down to the same level that they are. And frankly, ladies and gentlemen, this is Texas. There's a cow pen across the street. And that cow pen is full of that brown stuff. And if you want to be a bitcher, whiner, moaner, complainer, go. You have no room here because I'm always doing great. But if you truly want to change, I'll wrap my arms around you. We'll walk that walk together because that's the role of a true friend, a true person to help others. That is servant leadership. That's that ultimate of networking. Yeah, it really is not about acting nice, right? Sometimes people need a little shoken, right? You need to shake them a little. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> yes. Um, so what is your definition of an entrepreneur? So this podcast is for business owners out there looking into creating a, a business and a life that they're proud of. So what is your definition of an entrepreneur? I have an opening definition and a continuing definition. But an entrepreneur is one who has the ability and does. One who has the ability and does. Share the vision. Share the passion of that vision. And share the ownership while leaving almost all but not quite of ego at the door. We still have to have some gas in our tanks. So you have a passion. You have a vision. That vision comes from deep inside of you. An entrepreneur creates a product for a market that doesn't exist or a market for a product that doesn't exist. It's it's amazing what entrepreneurs can do, but it's that vision. And then you have to have the ability to share the the passion of that vision. And to do that, you have to be able to speak the language of the market. You can't be speaking your own individual language like so many people try to do. So to share the vision, to share the passion of that vision, speak the language of the market, and then share the ownership while leaving almost all of the ego at the door. We still have to have some gas in our tanks. It's a very big thing because we can't let the ego go, and we don't have to share the ownership in stocks and bonds. We have to share in the ownership by letting somebody help you design your 401k plan, letting somebody, somebody help you design the marketing. There's so many ways to share ownership. You don't have to say, I'll give you 10% of my company. Because remember, Mr. and Ms. Entrepreneur, 
people are going to come with you because of you, not because of the idea. You see, the idea is 5%. The team is 95% when funders look at you. Now, you raised $3 million in three weeks. How did you do that? Dallas is a great place for a nonprofit. North Texas is a great place. It wasn't just me, but it was some people that had an idea of putting out-of-work uh, 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 restaurant workers to work. And so what they did is they came to the marketplace and through their networks, their people that they had embraced, they were able to raise $3 million in two and a half, almost three weeks. And they're now doing it in multiple cities, but they took all of the out-of-work restaurant servers and workers and put them to work at food banks around North Texas and paid them to work there because of the crunch, the, the, the deep, deep need for the services from the food bank. So they found a problem and they created a market for it. They solved it and they went to the marketplace and they said, here's my vision, here's my passion. And then they shared the ownership in this case by having people give money because they felt like they had an ownership in it. So again, it's back to the entrepreneurship. They shared the ownership with the marketplace. They didn't just go to a singular foundation and say, we have to do it. So everybody in North Texas owns it. That's really awesome. Now, I want to go back to what we touched on, speaking the language of the market. Like, I, I would like you, to, if you will, please, uh, to be a little more specific about what does that mean to you? Like, when you when you started Success North Dallas, um, I'm sure you had a language inside of you. How did you match it to the marketplace? What, what is the thought process? How did you go about it, making sure that you were speaking the same language? Well, if I were going to you, I would know everything about you that I could possibly find out before we had a meeting. And I would know how you felt about things, what your language is. I would know if you're an engineer or whatever. So uh, one of my dear friends raised the largest number of million-dollar gifts in the history building the Dallas uh, Arts District. And I asked him what his batting average was. He said, it's about 850. I looked at him, so 850, what do you mean? He said, I know I only have one pitch. I don't have three. When I get to the office, I know everything about that person that I can possibly find out. And if they like football, I take Roger Staubach and Emmett Smith with me. If they like baseball, I take Nolan Ryan. If they like engineering, I take the head of TI with me. And we talk 55 minutes about what they want, what they love, and five minutes at the end about what I'm there for. And at the end of the five minutes, I get one of three questions. One is, where do I send it? Two is, when do you need it? And three would be, tell me more. Because I did my homework. Yeah, and also, I think the biggest thing about this is that, again, it's not about you, right? So if you're sticking into speaking someone else's language, you really have to make it about them, right? And be curious. Develop the art of curiosity, right? Um, that, 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 that's very true. And there's another thing about it, too. But this is what really got me into thinking that way. Because I was in the insurance business. I've worked with 164 startups in the life, health, disability side, not the PNC side. Did a lot of business planning. And I was sitting, we had a group here in Dallas called the Seventh Floor, where all the venture capitalists office. And I was sitting in the room with one of the venture capitalist teams 
as they were looking through proposals. And there was just one that had a fabulous, fabulous idea. They looked at it, they threw it away. I said, what are you doing? He said, He's, it's the guy, the creator, it's all about him. He cannot speak the language of the market. He keeps his head down. He doesn't interact. And why should we waste our time with him? Yeah, it is a great idea. And so when I gave a talk to the IEEE, which is the engineering group, I titled the talk, Are You Bilingual in Your Own Industry? Can you speak the language of the market? Those doodles, this is how I started. Those doodles, those doodles you're doodling on right now on that piece of paper. That idea that could change my life, is it going to make it to market? I'm happy to be here because of all I'm excited because all the things that have come out of this room to change my life. But I'm saddened to be here because of the, all the things that did not get off of that doodle pad to the market because you, the creator, could not speak the language, the market. I've since given that talk three other times. And those two things impacted me tremendously. Seeing that idea being thrown away and standing there in front of a room of 200 engineers who never stayed afterwards to network, who the, to the uh, meeting planner said, they stayed longer than we've ever had them stay. We couldn't get them out of there after the meeting. <laughs> Whatever you did, there's something was right. Yeah, so, we get that. You know, I remember we did an event in New York City and uh, it was a networking event too and i remember getting that same feeling like when people don't leave like we were like all right it's over like it, it was past an hour after the networking was over and people were still hanging out and connecting and having fun you know and and you get that energy of that kind of event and you're like oh, we did today. <laughs> yeah it, it, it takes its own life right so it's really fun when that happens for sure and the other thing you talk about an entrepreneur they have to understand their role their role is to turn the lights on, turn the lights off, clean the toilets, get paid last, but eventually they'll be paid the most. Yes. And it won't just be in money. It'll be in money's only a measure. There's so many other things to wealth. Yes, absolutely. Bill, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to be here with you. And uh, yes, I hope that you got some pretty weather there in Dallas. Today's kind of cloudy here in Miami. Uh, but super fun to talk to you and thank you again. Well, Brenda, thank you for having me. And we close every Success North Dallas meeting and every talk that I give in this manner. May you do what you love to do with people you love to do it with on purpose. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. To join our free Facebook group and access the links and resources mentioned in the shows, and much more, go to www.sabrina-gagnon.com. That is G-A-G-N-O-N. You will become a member of a private Facebook group dedicated to providing the best practices, skills, and strategies to grow your business. And remember, we all have natural advantages that comes from our instinctive power. You are perfectly created to accomplish so much. Let's challenge the status quo and create a business and life you love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.